Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Today, I welcome Matt Coulson from Heron Financial back on the podcast. And he is here to specifically talk about how the apprenticeship scheme has helped benefit his business personally. If you haven't listened to his first episode when I had him on before, where we talk about the likes of marketing, running the business, check out episode 19. There's loads on there. He talks about how he has grown out this this huge team that he's, he's got over the last 10 years. So as I said, Matt set up Heron Financial about 10 years ago and he's grown the team now to over almost 40 people, so over 40 people, the team sizes, which more than 10 of those started at apprenticeship level. So the guy to speak about apprenticeship, this is the guy you need to listen to. Matt's a huge believer in not only using the apprenticeship scheme as a way to give young people an opportunity in in this financial services industry, but also counts on it as an affordable way to grab his team as well. It's a really useful tool, and he's going to talk us through that today. He's one for keeping his staff happy. And it goes to show that with his apprenticeship um, people, his apprentices, he's retained all of them that have wanted to stay within the industry. There have been a couple of examples where maybe they haven't had the job role for them at the time or they've decided to completely have a different different career change. The longest apprentices he's had with him is for nine years. So they must be happy in what they're doing. So we're going to talk through um, step by step of how the scheme works, how to find out more information, how to interview them what financial benefits there are at the moment, if there's any grants from the government, and how to train them up as well. So, Matt, thank you very much for coming back on. Welcome back to the Social for Brokers podcast, mate. Thank you, Chris. I I don't know how to follow that intro. Um, (laughs) Very very kind of you. I also have to um, issue an apology in advance. I think the last time I was on, I had to apologise in advance for builders. Um, Today, I've got to apologise for advance for my dog. Um, he's in a funny mood and if anybody knocks at the door during this you're going to hear a crazy dog in the background so not builders this time but a dog so okay. sorry for well we can welcome him on what's the dog's name his name's Mowgli um, Mowgli right yeah yeah he's a he's a funny little character but yeah he's um keep you um, company at home does he when you're not in the office he does yeah he does I think that's probably one word for it that's the polite way of putting it I think um and for anybody else that's a dog owner um you know those days when they're just in a bit of an odd mood he's he's in one today um he's picked the day when I've got about seven zoom calls in a row um, <laughs> to be on his um, most interesting behavior shall we say well welcome matt and mowgli then to the podcast we'll, uh, we'll try and get a photo of him put it on the uh, yeah we'll try we'll try <laughs> <laughs> so one of the main reasons i wanted to get you back on the podcast is i speak to mortgage brokers on a daily basis and a lot of them are kind of like individuals or a team of two or three yeah. and they're at the stage where they're getting too busy to do everything on their own but hesitant to take the risk of hiring somebody full-time because they're not yeah. sure what the market's going to do and it is a, it's a big financial commitment do you think apprentices can fill that kind of gap absolutely um i think to illustrate that point and and, I, and without wanting to repeat too much of the conversation that we had first time round, um the, uh, the the fourth ever member of staff that we hired was an apprentice um yeah. and that's the chap that you mentioned in the introduction that's been with us for for nine years um, coming up in january so um yeah absolutely they can fill the gap um i think there's there's a lot that needs to be done to help them fill that gap um but one thing that we've seen um over the years is it, it, it 
is that you should never be surprised at, at the ability um, of these people to step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is a little bit of a leap of faith if you've not been down this path before, because you don't know what you're going to get. Um, and, and being frank, um, you know, if you excuse the turn of phrase, you've got to kiss a lot of frogs um, to get to your, your handsome prince. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's that's just the way it is. That's the, that's the process. But I can tell you from, from personal experience, when you find the right one, and there are, thank goodness, there are plenty of them out there. Um, they can do way more than than fill the gap, and and we've seen that over over many years now. That's and and today, perfect. We were speaking about this before the podcast started. Today's A level results day, so day. that's the ideal for. I'm going to be releasing this on on Wednesday, the 11th of August. So it's a great time to be talking about this because there are people that are going to be out there that don't know what they want to do. I mean, I mm. left A levels and worked in a golf shop because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, and this is the perfect opportunity to be part of a, a company. And, and really train somebody up. But when we talk about filling that gap with apprentices, and this might not be related to apprentices, but just staff in general, when would you say is the right time to hire somebody when you're too busy or just before you start seeing yourself getting too busy? I think, I think it, it obviously depends on your own individual business strategy. And I wouldn't ever profess to know all the answers, um, you know, nor am I here to, to, um, but you've got a pretty good, a pretty good way of giving this advice. If you've got a team of forty people over, well, you know, we 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 we've we've got a lot of good people, and, and I think that's what's helped us get here. But for for, for if I talk about us um, and what worked well for us, and, and look, that's just one way. Um, we will always try to over recruit. Um, so we'll always try and have ourselves in a, a position where we're trying to project uh, how busy we're going to become. Um, and there's a little bit of. Um, finger in the air about that you know you, you, you're sort of gambling to a degree you talk about the market we, we've, we've all just come off the back of a an intense uh, mortgage market for for going on beyond 12 months now um and there's a you know there is a little bit of uncertainty as to where we're going to go next but to a degree you can control it you know we, we work primarily with introducers um as our uh, main source of new business um obviously we, we we have a lot of return customers too but most of our new clients come from introducers um, and and we, we can broadly project if we're going to go out and work with a new introducer or, or we've got a plan in place to onboard some new introducers, bring them, bring them in. Um, and, it, and if we know roughly what that looks like and the timeline behind that, we'll always try and recruit the people that we need to deal with the excess capacity beforehand. Mm-hmm. And particularly if you're talking about apprentices um, and, and young people, um, we tend to find that, they, that, that that bedding in period is a little bit longer because they've often come straight from a classroom. Um, you know, you talk about A-level results. We're trying to get ahead of that. You know, we, we've got some um, some roles at the moment that we're looking to fill with apprentices and we're, we're, we're all over that now. Um, you know, we'll be looking next week for sure because you do see spikes in um, in applications and things around these, these times of the year. But, you know, it, it, it is there is a, a period of time that you need with somebody like that who has never been in an office who has never um, worked um, in in a financial services environment for instance and so you need to assume that they're going to need sort of six eight weeks of a bit more TLC than you'd give an experienced person who's already been in the workplace mm-hmm. um, and look the way that we've always done it is we would always try and do that in advance of, of that busy period or that projected busy period. I think it just works, mm-hmm. works better. You're not putting too much pressure on them to, 
to try and over deliver for you. Yeah, that's it. You're giving you, you're kind of waiting until it's, um, and you can hear how busy Matt is because you, you, your laptop's going off all the time. Yeah, I was just, I was just showing off my notifications. Sorry. <laughs> no, I do it all the time. I leave it and then think, oh, I haven't closed me. Oh, I thought I'd handle that. It's just constant, isn't it? And that's, <laughs> it's, that's a very good point, actually. When you are busy with apprentices, yes, financially, and we'll talk about that, it's quite attractive because it's not a huge full time financial commitment or full time wage. You do need those, I suppose, four to six weeks to get them out of the classroom mentality and into a working mentality. Yeah. Uh, it's how I'll make, you I mean, that. I mean, I'll make a, um, a comparison um, about that. I won't name uh, the individual. In fact, it's actually happened more than once. Um, there's been apprentices that we've taken on in the past that in their first couple of weeks, they're, they're asking their line manager if it's okay to go to the toilet. Um, and that, that <laughs> is it, yeah. Yeah, you know, you, you, we, we sort of look back and chuckle. And, and I have to say, you know, when I was talking to a mate of mine earlier about um, A-level results, and I was like, yeah, it seems like yesterday, 16 or 17 years since I got mine. Now I feel very, very old. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you go back to that world, you think, yeah, actually, we did used to do that. You did used to have to ask the teacher, didn't you, if you could go yeah. to the toilet. So I think that's just, you know, it's a silly thing, but it just gives you a flavour as to those little intangibles that you need to help them with um, and, and transition them from a, an education world into a, a, an employment world. Um, and I, I think that as much, and, and hopefully we come on to it, as much as we, we are massive believers in, in kind of, to a degree, throwing people in at the deep end with the right support, I do think that that initial bedding in period, they do need time, they do need attention. And, you know, that's, it's not necessarily fair to do that to somebody whilst also trying to expect them to do crazy levels of work at the same time. It's just, it's yeah. very difficult. And obviously you've repeated this, what we're going to go through today, you've repeated this over and over again with yeah. so many successful apprenticeships that are now full-time members of the team. Yeah. So what we're going to talk through today to give people a bit of a background, we're going to talk about the advertising, where you should advertise, how you can advertise. We're going to talk about the hiring stage, so the interview process, what you look for in people. Um, then in terms of the workplace, how you do the training and what you do the training and then where you can find more information as well. So it's, it's a real, this is a blueprint as to what Matt's followed that's been very successful. So it's definitely worth listening to this. And you could probably take this into hiring staff members as a general rule, but this mainly geared towards apprentices. So let's start with where did you find out about the apprenticeship scheme? Did somebody give you the information or did you research it yourself? I think um, I was thinking back to this. I think it was um, when we first started out. I mean, ge genuinely, it was like, what's the cheapest way you can hire someone? I think that was how this came about. Um, and that sounds really crass, um, but it was it, it, I think that's where it started. And then we um, at that stage, um, we had a sort of occasional HR person that we sought advice from. Um, because all of a sudden it's like, oh, right, well, we, we're going to need like contracts and grown up yeah. stuff. Um, and I think that was when somebody said, oh, you, you know, you should you should really look at look at, at the apprentice scheme. And and, and it was a, it was a sort of throwaway thing. And, and then the more you look at it, the more you think, yeah, you know, let's give it a go. You know, if somebody if, if nobody's going to give these people a chance, then, you know, where do they start? So um, I, I think it was a, a sort of offhand conversation with somebody that, that, that used to give us ad hoc HR guidance. Mm -hmm. um combined with we haven't got any money um uh, get someone in um and that was it that was the start of it really okay that's how you said so when you started let's talk about the advertising side of it when mm -hmm. you advertise where do you advertise do you use agencies do you use friends and family do you use other staff members total mixed bag um bit of everything um so um, we we put ads up ourselves. We use sites like Indeed um, that I think everybody would would be familiar with. Um, 
there's a lot of um, similar job sites where you you, you sign up, um, you put some some funds on account, um, you write a job ad and, and sit and wait for you know a, a mountain of CVs to hit you. Mm. I, I just word of caution on that. Um, you do need time to be able to deal with that because you can get inundated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's relying on you to be able to filter it. They are always improving the way that they can allow you to filter candidates through a funnel so that you end up with just the ones you want. But even, you know, even with that, you do end up with lots of um, people that potentially you wouldn't want to take on. So the direct route, we, we, we've, we've almost always got an ad flowing around just to, just to see what, what's out there. Um, we have used agencies um, and I would say that's dependent on where you are geographically. Okay. I know there's some, uh, some, recent uh, agencies that have popped up that, that are uh, specializing in financial services. Um, we're looking to engage with those guys in, in the coming weeks um, and they are national coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what I can tell you is that from experience of what we've done to date, rather than, than what we're potentially about to do um, is that we got in touch. We just, you know, you just Google apprenticeship scheme, put your postcode in and, and you, you'll come up with some, um, it could be private companies, um, it's often um, a local uh, higher education facility or, or a college, um, and, and that's often another way that you can start that process. If there's a you know if there's a college near you, drop them an email, pick the phone up to them, and just say, hey, you know, do, are there any apprenticeship providers that you guys recommend or work with? Um, and I think there is a lot of um, locally focused stuff out there. So we we have um, relationships with with businesses like that around us, and, and that will always be in the background. My, my advice with those um, is you've still got to drive it. Um, okay. So they'll generally present you with better candidates than you would get through, uh, you know, an Indeed or, or, or a job site because they are doing some filtering. They are doing some, some work in the background for you. But what we found is that you, you, you need to remind them that you're there um, okay. and, and sort of keep prompting them that you've got, you've got vacancies, you've got spaces, you've, you've, you've got a track record if you have one. Um, and, and so there is a little bit of just, nudging them every now and again say hey you know i getting on and and miraculously every time you do that you might get a couple of cvs the next day um, kind of back but, to the top of the pile that they exactly got, right these employers yeah exactly right so there's a bit of that there and then i guess the third route is is you mentioned it recommendations from from friends family um and members of staff i mean we, we've taken on um very recently i think we've, we've got three or four uh, apprentices who've joined us in the last two three months um I think all of them came from recommendations from existing people, um, which is, which is amazing because they know what they're coming into. Um, And so you, you've almost got that first bit, that first kind of worry out the way that they're going to come in and think, Oh my God, I'm getting out of here. Um, And I suppose it's nice for them to come in and not even not, well, know a familiar face or have heard of their auntie's son works here that, do you know what I mean? This is it. it, Yeah. It it does help. You know, they've got somebody to go for their lunch with. Um, They've got somebody who can kind of show them where the toilet is and and do all that stuff. And, and I think it's, it it can be an, an amazing positive. I think my comment on that would be that they've often come in on the recommendation of a friend who's perhaps really successfully transitioned through the scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes you find there's a bit of impatience there, but I like that, you know, they, they, they come in, they've, they've taken the role because they've seen their mate do really well. Yeah. Um, and they think, oh, I want, I want that to be me. And, and that, to be honest, I think that's great. And that's why we want them. Um, and, and that's why it's so exciting because they, they already can see the path. Um, but that from a management point of view, just sometimes it's got to be a little bit of just massaging on, on the right track and, mm-hmm. and almost, you're almost sort of, reining them in it's like you know if any i guess a sports analogy if anyone's a football fan you know you got that 
you know, you, you, your top striker's been injured and he's desperate to get back to fitness and he's telling you you can play on Saturday morning, but you're not quite sure. And the physio's saying, not quite yet. Um, there's a little bit of that that comes in with some of the particularly ambitious ones, which I don't think is a problem. Um, I think it's just something that, that you need to be mindful of. And that happens most frequently when they've, when they've come in via a recommendation because they want to they want to race to catch up with their mate. And, and yeah, that's what yeah. it is. But nice, nice trade to have. So yeah. when you when you're writing that job, I mean the first thing is what what apprenticeship do you put it down as? What's the title of the apprenticeship? And then what do you write in the job advertisement on these kind of websites or on your on your website? Well I, I mean first things first I would say um seek the advice from from your local apprenticeship provider or college um you know whatever that institution might be that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and just find out what what um, training is available as part of the scheme. So typically our apprentices will, will, will come in and do a business administration um, and it's a qualification. Um, they get it on the job. Um, it's it's relatively time consuming. So it needs to be built into their into their schedule. Um, and, and what we tend to do is we we will make sure that we've always got the most up to date and accurate outline of, of what that course entails. It's normally a 12 month course that runs for the duration of their apprenticeship. Um, and we'll use the, the details of that as the backbone of the job description that we write. So um, we'll, we'll list the role as a business administration apprentice. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll include within that the sorts of things that will be covered off in that course. Um, what we'll also put in there is some of the, um, the sort of rough outline of, of what we're going to be expecting them to do. So generally, um, to begin with, it would be basic office administration um and you know you, you're, you're sort of requesting certain skills around have you used microsoft word before you know can you send an email um you know you're familiar with this or that um and so we'll put that in there but then we'll also um make sure that we put in there what what attributes we want um so generally we're looking for somebody who is a team player uh, energetic ambitious um and and confident and and i know that's a complete cliche because doesn't everybody want to want to employ that person right yeah. but um we think it's important to include that in there because you know the candidate needs to know what the environment is that they're coming into mm-hmm. um we're also very clear to let them know that it's fast um you know this is probably going to be like what on earth is going on here for for the first few weeks and, and, it, and it might sort of take their breath away a little bit We'll include that in the ad and just say it's a really fast-paced environment. It's really dynamic. It's fast-growing. Blah blah blah. blah. Um, and so those combination, of those three factors, the the nuts and bolts of the qualification, the the sort of bland uh, tasks that, that that you're going to be expecting of them whilst they get to grips with with having a career, um, and then the attributes, the the sort of soft facts as to what you want from that person. That would be the general formatting of of the job. We'll always include within there is the pay structure as well. Um, and that's something the way you would need to be guided by that apprenticeship provider, because um, what you tend to find, and it's it's lost in the reams of, of things that he stands up and talks about, but generally Mr. Sunak, when he, when he comes out with a new budget, he will include within that um, a, a details of, of what that minimum um, wage would be for an apprentice, depending on their age bracket and depending on what they're going to study. Okay, so you can, and where do you get that type of information? Does that come from the apprenticeship provider or is the website that outlines all this? Um, uh, apprenticeship providers are pretty good at it. Um, also, if you've got an accountant that, that handled your business, I'm going to give you a forewarning now on, on the dog going crazy. <laughs> the door's going to go. Dog. Uh, the door's going, here comes the dog. Um, if you've got an accountant that looks after your um, business, there he is. Um, if you've got an accountant that looks after your business, then generally they're, they're pretty good at guiding as well because they'll be on top of, whatever it is that HMRC are now insisting that, that people need to be able to earn 
in that bracket, as you probably know and be aware, it's it's a lot lower than a normal salary mm -hmm. um, because the idea behind these apprenticeship schemes is that they are a transition between education and work um, and they're kind of a middle ground. So just, you know, important to note while we're on that point is that you, you, you really need somebody who um, is kind of willing to accept that they're not going to um, change their life with their earnings whilst they're working um, in that role. Um, and, and generally what we find is it, it does tend to favor somebody who's perhaps still living with mum and dad mm -hmm. um, because uh, they're not necessarily reliant on having an income above X. Um, but that, I guess, naturally is the sort of demographic of the kind of person you're going to find anyway. My brother did it. He, um, as I said, I went into full time work, worked in a golf shop, loved it. My brother decided loves cars, got an apprenticeship at BMW. And they not only put him through his apprenticeship, they put him through an electronic engineering degree. And by the end of five, six years, he got a degree, full apprenticeship, was 21 driving around a brand new BMW. And all his mates are kind of, oh, well, we should have done the apprenticeship route now. Now he's 10 years, he works for uh, he works for Cadbury's now, and he's made that step up from, from BMW. And that all stemmed from him just taking a bit of a step back and saying, look, some of my, my mates probably will go into full-time work and earn a good wage, but... He took that sacrifice for two or three years and now reaping the benefits of that. So it, it's a great scheme. You need to be part of the right company. And obviously a lot of people have, have done that within your company. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, um, I mean, you know, congratulations to him because that's that's yeah. a, a great story. It's a fantastic story. And, and, and I think that that foresight to almost um, ignore the bright lights and the quick wins yeah. Um, you know, it's rare to, to have that. So he's, you know, he's, he's obviously doing something right. And, and I think, you know, as a, as a, as a family, that's something you should be really proud of. And, and, you know, we're really fortunate. We've seen a lot of that as well, where, you know, you, you, some of our um, apprentices have come in and a lot of their mates have, have gone off and done the university thing. And maybe for a, for a, a period of time, they think, right, have I done the right thing? You know, am, am I, um, you know, am I setting myself back? Um, but honestly, nine times out of ten, um, irrespective of where they transition, because I think I'd like to get onto, I'd like to get onto that because there's lots of different routes that, that they can go beyond the apprenticeship. Um, irrespective of where they go to, nine times out of ten, they end up in a better situation than than a lot of those mates. And, and I'm not saying that to knock um, university and, and and things because I think it's it you know it's horses for courses. But I think if if this somehow finds its way to anybody who's thinking about the apprentice scheme rather than our intended audience today of people who are looking to, to take on the apprentice scheme. I think if you are thinking about it, then, then don't, don't hesitate because we've seen it, it firsthand, you know, you can really bring success to, to people and, and pride from their families and what they achieve. It, it can be fantastic. Really, really good. And nice to see them develop. And we'll talk about that shortly. Cause I know you're, you love getting into the company and helping people progress yeah. the company. So when it then comes to the hiring stage, in the interview, what kind of questions do you ask on the interview of them? Well, I, I don't do too many of them now because I'm a, a bit of an old fart um, and, and a bit outmoded. Um, but I've got a really fantastic team of managers um, who who all run various parts of our business, um, whether it be compliance, whether it be our sort of client care progression team, whether it be our applications team and help to buy team because we specialise in a lot of new builds. Um, and depending on where we think those vacancies are, um, we will um, we, we, we'll sort of lean on one or more of those managers to run it. Sometimes, to be honest, we don't necessarily know if there's a specific place to put them. Um, and so it might well be that they actually um, sit in an interview with, with two managers, which 
bless them, that could be um, quite unnerving <laughs> for, for, for yeah. a youngster. Um, the question sets that we have are just really simple. Um, you obviously can't ask them about experience because they haven't got any. Yeah. Um, so really what we're trying to do is find out about them as a person. So we're asking about their hobbies where these all sound really obvious, but but they're true. You know, we're asking them about what, you know, what's their family situation, you know, and maybe you shouldn't, but you can try and potentially read into an individual a little bit by what environment they've grown up in. Um, that's not to say we would necessarily rule anybody out because of that, but I think it gives you a steer as to where they might fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then it's just around things like, you know, where do they see themselves in, in one year? Where do they see themselves in three years, five years? Why are they looking at the apprentice scheme? You know, what, what is it? Is it because what you want to try and weed out there is the ones that, well, I didn't have really a choice. And, you know, my mom and dad said, go out there and do something. And, you know, you, you, believe me, you'll get some crazy answers that, that really kind of trip people up. And, and it's as if they haven't thought it through. I think an, another really important line of questioning is ask them what the research they've done in, in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would expect somebody um, to come into an interview with us irrespective of the role um, and irrespective as to what level we're expecting them to come in and work to have at least been on the website um, and, and found out a little bit more, you would be amazed how often that doesn't happen. Um, but I would, I would ask them, you know, what do you know about us? You know, what have you, what have you found out about us? Mm-hmm. Was there anything that interested you in that? And really what you're looking for is them to say, well, actually, yeah, I was, you know, I was on your, I was on your website and I saw that, se- that, that section on income protection and, you know, isn't that really interesting? I've never heard of that before. And, and and we do have people who have provided answers like that. And I think, you know, it's not the be all and end all, but as soon as you start getting that kind of stuff, you're thinking, okay, you know, this is somebody that, that, that has they taken it to be part of your company rather than just want to be an apprentice anyway. They're approaching it in the right way. Yeah. Um, so in, in, in lieu of those um, experience questions that you would maybe ask somebody who is coming in from a, from a different business, Ask about their attitude, ask about what they do for fun, ask about their upbringing, ask about what they know about your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all those soft facts and, and, and putting them together. And to be honest, there's always an element of taking a punt, um, but that's part of the territory. It's what you get. Run the uh, business, I suppose, isn't it? Exactly. So when you actually apply, get them into, so you've done the hiring, sorry, you've done the interview process, you're going to hire them. What application forms do you need to submit or is all that looked after by the apprenticeship company that you've gone through? Well, at some point, you're going to need the help of a, of a qualification provider. Now, if you go down the route of contacting colleges and local agencies, that's straightforward. You know, they, they will, will, will help you with that. Um, if you're finding people via um, friend recommendation or, or, or you've advertised yourself, um, you are then going to need, once you've made that hire and once you've you've found the candidate you want to give them the role, you are going to need to make contact with, with some of those local education authorities anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, um, the, the, and again, I think this is geography. Forgive me if that's not correct, but you, literally you just Google your local area and apprenticeship schemes. But for us, um, a lot of the training is provided by city and guilds. I don't know if that's geographically linked. Um, we occasionally, if we found somebody direct we'll have to then get in touch with city and guilds and say that we've, we've got somebody we want to enroll them in the scheme there is paperwork um but they will help and guide you through that i think that's it, that's why if you are new to this um and you may be a bit nervous about that um getting that bit right and, and you should be because it's important um then i think that's why it might be best to go down that that first route that i mentioned about contacting some of those local local companies around you because uh, they take away that that 
nonsense basically i'm just sat here really excited when you said if, if, if somebody's new to this i just want somebody to be listening to this thinking do you know what this is giving me the confidence now it, it sounds like such a good scheme i've seen how it works and this yeah i'm just really excited i want to get a message from somebody to say i listened to it and matt gave me the guidance the confidence to go out there and do it um sorry that just hit me there listening to you talking about it it's, it's a great way i think to get people into into the company anyway sorry i, I think well no, I'm, I'm with you by the way because i get really excited about it as well and I, and I think it is a great thing and you know i've always tried to push it um on people i'm a bit of a zealot because i think it's worked so well for us that you know yeah i, I, I just like the idea of giving people a chance and and by the way i think there are certain stigma attached uh, around this that you're getting somebody who maybe isn't bright enough or or isn't academic or, you know, not from the right area or to be honest, it's all rubbish because we, we, you know, we've, we've had apprentices who've joined us from, from a, a you know, a, a really on the face of it, um, on the face of it, privileged kind of public school background. We've had apprentices who've joined us from the local comp. We've had apprentices. It, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's about the individual and, and actually what's striking is that they all come in and, and succeed. They just do it in, in their own way. Yeah. Um, I think just one thing to touch on, Chris, and, and obviously this this is really close to home for you, is just coming back. And I, I should have mentioned it, but when when we've asked people recently around, um, you know, what what do you know about the business? I think having a presence on social media is massive, and I'm not just saying this to plug you, um, but I think <laughs> having that presence on social media, look, you know, the demographic of the person that you talk to, it's probably the first place they're going to go. Um, they're going to look you up on Facebook. They're going maybe not on LinkedIn because they, they don't know what LinkedIn is yet. Um, they're not, you know, old and, and over the hill yet. Um, or, or they're going to go. Are you LinkedIn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, but they're going to, you know, they're going to go Facebook. They're going to go. I think Instagram more and more these days. TikTok's the next one. I think you know, lots of people in our industry have made a phenomenal success of that one. Um, and I think if you've got a presence there and you you also um, look approachable and, and, and you appeal, um, then you are going to attract a better candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, if you show you that modern, fresh, dynamic company. Exactly. You know, like it or not, um, whether it's whether it's um, to your taste or not, um, I think that having that presence there is a really important thing. And we're seeing it more and more get mentioned in, in interviews mm-hmm. um, that, that that person wanted to come and sit and talk to us primarily because of what they'd seen, whether it be video content or whatever it might be. And they looked at it and thought, I like the look of that business. So um, if you are looking to sort of move yourself above, above some of the big blue chips, and, and by the way, we compete with, you know, big, you know, FTSE listed PLCs who, who make great use of the apprentice scheme. This is just a small business thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to set yourself ahead of a company like that, that on the face of it to a young person can potentially offer a, a longer career path, something that's more solid because, you know, the company's existed for a hundred years or something then I think it's, it's got to be about the environment that you've created. And I think a, a social media presence that, that screams approachability is a really good way of, of, of putting that out there. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling, but I just... No, no, that's worth a great, I mean, To be honest, it's something that I didn't, I didn't have it down in my kind of line of questions or in, in part of the step-by-step, but it is very important because they may have watched a video about say if one of the managers, one of the, one of your managers was on a video and introducing themselves on social how more, much more welcoming or how much more comfortable does that 16 or 18 year old feel walking into the office knowing that they'd seen your manager called Lauren on a video and they'd watched all the content? It, I think it just allows them, they've been introduced into the company and how that company worked without actually meeting you. That's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is really powerful. It is. Right. And you can also, you know, you know, we've, we've got videos up that lots of videos that are 
former apprentices, you know, and, and, oh, really? and yeah, you can, you can point to that, you know, we've got videos that are about apprenticeships. So I think it, it's just, I, you know, for us, you know, we're a bit of a, 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 an oddball business, but I, I think because we've made such success of the scheme um, because of the individuals, I have to say, um, the, we do want to shout about it. Um, and I think that even if you're just sort of finding your feet and, and thinking, I might give this a go, then why not just, you know, do a selfie video, just throw it out there and, and talk about how you're interested in working with apprentices and talk about your business and, and why you think it would be a really great environment for a young person to take their first steps on the career ladder. Um, I just won't really, do any harm. As you said, when you come into the interview, they've already met the yeah Lauren Smith, who Lauren Smith Mortgages, who's taken a video and it would make me feel a lot more comfortable and I might come across better in an interview then at that age with somebody that I feel more comfortable with. Definitely. Definitely. So you've hired them now. You've got them into the workplace. Firstly, do you get any grants from the government from for hiring apprentices at the minute? Is there anything out there? Well, I, th I think the one that's in the news right now that's that's um, top of a lot of people's agenda is this uh, kickstart scheme, um, which is slightly different. It's, it's time limited. I think it runs till September. So um, if you're interested in that one, get, get your skates on. Um, that was something that was, I think, uh, unveiled as part of the whole pandemic um, response from the Chancellor. So that, that one we've we made a little bit of use of. Um, a lot of it is local. Um, so um, some of it you'll get a, a grant from your local council. Some of it is central government. Some of it's a, a tax rebate. Um, I, I would, again, this is going to sound like I'm just passing the buck, but I would always direct you to your accountant um, because yeah. if there is um, a grant to be applied for, it's probably going to be them. Mm -hmm. um, or if there is a, a rebate, it's probably going to be them. Um, but also in conjunction with one of those providers that I mentioned before, um, because they will help you walk through. Um, the Kickstart one, I think, is a, is a really obvious one. I think that's quite a chunky grant that you can get on that. Um, but if you, if you go to the .gov website, um, you can find all that information on there. Um, what I would say is that over the years, we've seen many different iterations of, of, of the sort of financial reward um, for taking these young people on. I think in the early days, it was important you know, we, we needed the money. Yep. Um, and that's not to say, we, you know, we're sort of Scrooge McDuck diving into a, a pool of gold every evening and, and, you know, we don't need that anymore. But as you as you grow, that becomes less important um, and it becomes more about the individuals that you hire. However, you know, I can, I can remember very well, you know, needing that whatever, I think it was, I think we might've got a thousand quid or something in the first apprentice that we took on um, and you had to have them for six months and there was all sorts of things that went around it. I can remember almost sort of looking at that thing, down the horizon thinking, oh, I'll have that thousand quid coming in soon because we, you know, we hired this person and, and it was important. And, yeah. and that's not to denigrate that um, because, hey, if somebody's going to give you free money, take it. And this, um, is, this is what I'm hoping, people that are listening to this that don't want to risk a lot of financial capital at the beginning for hiring somebody, that, as you said, that thousand pounds could be a huge bonus as well as not having to pay a full-time uh, wage but to be yeah. able to train somebody up and, and they might find it quite rewarding to do yes. so. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, it's the most cost-effective way of hiring, without a shadow of a doubt. Now that's, you know, obviously there are, there are caveats because there is more training needed. You know, you need to be more involved. Either you or somebody on your team needs to essentially be assigned as a mentor and, and you do need to make some uh, or, or seed some ground. You know, you, you do need to do more than you would with a normal recruit. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the if this was a purely financial thing, then there is not a cheaper way of, of going out there and hiring someone through a combination of the fact that apprentices don't earn as much in the first 12 months, um, plus the grants that, you, that you're provided for taking them on. Um, that being said, you know, if they succeed and they do very well, then crikey, you know, they, they can earn a lot more. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm delighted to say that a lot of our apprentices have gone on and done that um, and, and, and now earn fantastically well. And it gives me a thrill um, because, you know, you can remember where they were and you just think, you know, good on you because you, you joined us when, when you were almost working for free um, because you took a punt. And, and, and now, look, you, you know, you, 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 on the face of it, living a, a great life and, and certainly financially now being recognised for, for the success that you've had. So, um, you know, I'm not I don't want this to sound like a, um, a, a you know, you're almost encouraging somebody to take advantage of, of somebody to for financial benefit. Um, I think you do need to have your eyes wide open here that actually if you do this right and if you bring this person on. And, and make them better and, and help them flourish, they're going to cost you a lot of money in the long run. Yeah. Um, but that's good. You know, that's good because it, good it, it, it's probably an indication that they, they, they've been great for your business and, and, and they've contributed to your bottom line. So, yeah, it's, it's cheap for 12 months, but hopefully um, it then becomes something that can be very lucrative for that individual because that's ultimately what you want to see. And that's, that's how you can then perpetuate this and, and, and bring more people in because they look at the financial gains that people who've trodden that path already have made. And that's, we'll get onto that, but that's a big thing in your company that a lot of the apprentices that start look up to the apprentices that have been there six, seven, eight, nine years. So going back to the first day, when they start, what does their first day look like? Oh, um, very I've done it for a while, but <laughs> yeah, no, 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 but it varied. Cause I see them. I see them all. Um, I, I think that, that it's really important that you have a, at least two to three week induction. Now that might sound um, a little bit overawing for somebody who hasn't maybe gone down this route before, but it's not that complicated. I think to me, the key to it is it needs to be a really robust plan. You know, it needs to be set out for them because you've got to remember without wanting to sort of labor this point, they're maybe not as familiar with the working environment. They don't know, they don't know things. So I think to begin with, um, you know, somebody get, delivering a company overview to them is, is absolutely vital. And that should probably happen on morning one of, of their first Monday, right? That, that needs to be, right, you've done your research. You've obviously looked at us, looked at what we're all about. Let me just give you a background on who we are, what we do, who's our core client, what do we stand for, um, what's our aims and what are we, you know, where are we going? And, and you're just then making it really clear to that person exactly where, exactly where they are. Um, and I think it's, that's really helpful for context. I think then what you what you potentially need to do, and if it's you and, and, and you're sort of just getting started out, it's going to be you that does this. Um, if you've got a small team or a medium-sized team, this is where you can start to divide that work up a little bit um, and almost assign an afternoon with this person or you know, a morning with that person or a couple of hours with this person. But they need to walk through and see that client journey. Um, so that needs to happen really early in, in the conversation. They, they need to be able to um, walk through the client journey. They need to be able to see... Um, exactly what what happens when your customer starts out with the business and where they go. Um, because I think that also helps somebody to understand, because let's face it, you know, it's not the most exciting thing in the world, mortgages and insurance, is it? It's, um, uh, and for a young person who's kind of stepping out into that world, it, it helps them to understand. They probably don't know what a mortgage is. Um, and so they need to see the journey of the client. Um, so, you know, if, you, if you're looking for sort of day one, um, then who is the business? What are we all about? 
Um, that is absolutely fundamental. And then you, you've got to follow that up with, with the client journey. And I think that gives them a really solid grounding. Now, after that, choice is yours, really. I mean, what we tend to do is give people, um, we split it into half days and we'll, we'll have them shadowing um, other people within the business. Um, now, often that's former apprentices, which I think is really helpful because it gives them um, the little, maybe they're, they're more confident to ask questions of those people than they would be of somebody that they deem to be more senior. Um, and I think, you know, we, we've got an amazing, uh, just like incredible team who are so um, willing to give out that information and be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that that's quite a nice thing to do is to allow them to continue spending time with former apprentices and, and you just, you, you just sort of rotate them around your business. Now, if I scale that all the way back and I think about our first ever apprentice and, and, and what we did then, and I think, I think we maybe talked about it a little bit on, on the first chat that you and I had, Chris, um, like for a period of months, it, it, they're, they're like my shadow. And, and I think if you are, um, if you are a relatively small business at this stage and this is new, there's nothing wrong with them just shadowing you mm. for weeks. And I mean weeks um, once they've got that initial context. So there's lots of things to sort of fit and cram in there. Um, but broadly speaking, it's the obvious stuff. It's the obvious stuff that you want to get. When you, when you say shadowing there, because there probably are a few people that are sat there that they are a one, one man or one woman band at the moment and thinking the apprentice is going to take me so much time to train them up to shadow you for two weeks, they'll probably, if they're the right type of person that you've hired, that you've whittled them down to a person that really wants to know the business, you'll probably find that they ask a lot of questions anyway. If they're shadowing you for two weeks, they'll learn a yeah, lot by just being in your presence. You do. And, and one of the biggest things that, that, that I would say, and, and I still hear it um, bandied around our office when, when, you, when you see new starters is, have you got a pen and pad? You know, have you got, have you got a pen and pad? <laughs> Yeah. Um, are you writing this down? Um, because, you know, you, you do need to remind some people that, you know, I'm not going to tell you this six times. Yeah. Um, you need to be writing a lot of this down and you need to have it in a context that makes sense to you. Um, I so I remember being in a state agent. Sorry, it's a bit of a segue. I was a new negotiator and my manager, Samantha, at the time, she'd she'd just hired me. And I was maybe two months in pen and pad, have to write everything down. She likes to see you taking stuff in. And then a new starter starts and she said to the guy, have you got your pen and pad for the meeting? And I just remember tapping his temple and going, I keep it all in here. He lasted another five hours and he was gone. Oh, <laughs> but it just, yeah. it just shows the, the ability that you, they want to learn and you've got to get the right person to do that, haven't you, I suppose? You do. And, and look, you know, it, it doesn't come naturally to everyone. That doesn't necessarily mean they're the wrong person. Um, mm. But I think sometimes you do have to instill that into someone just a point on that um because it is you know i'm sitting here you know blathering on about this it's really easy for me because i've got such a good team Mm -hmm. that that when you split this induction amongst so many people um it becomes easier right and and i'm not um i'm not sort of um, naive to that and and i do recall where it wasn't that easy um, and it was just, you know, a handful of us. And at the stage that, that we brought our first apprentice, there was only four of us in total, including me and my business partner. So, you know, it, I, I do I do remember exactly what that was like. One of the things that I found like so useful at that stage is using business development managers. Like you use business development managers because they're keen, you know, they've got to, they've got to, they've got to prove that they did some work today. Um, you know, you're another meeting for them to put in their diary when they send the report in at the end of the week as to how many meetings they've had and which brokers they've seen. Um, and, and the good ones will help. And, and, you know, I remember using business development managers a lot um, to just say, look, can you come in and speak to this person that we brought in 
Um, I want you to just dump knowledge onto them. Um, let them ask you questions. Um, and you're almost sort of, it's weirdly sort of outsourcing. Yeah, um, so it gives you an hour to go and do an appointment. To come of course. Back. Yeah. 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 Or do some stuff that isn't actually worth being shadowed. Right. Um, so um, it, it's, um, it's something that we, we made a lot of use of and bless them. You know, we were lucky to have some amazing business development at the time. Um, but it's don't, don't overlook that. I think, um, you know, I appreciate not everybody listening to this will be part of a network um, or, or, or a club, but if you are, there'll be people within your network and your club that you can, that you can ask for, for help. Yeah. Um, you know, whether that be around compliance software or CRMs or whatever it is, just make use of the, the people around you. There's loads of them and they're all willing to give up time, which makes this, less scary for you for sure so if you think over 30 hours of the week that you're available that they could shadow you you could probably set up four bdm meetings that's you from 30 down to, to 26 you could then look at your network or your club maybe three zoom calls one with a social media specialist yeah one with your compliance department one with yep. all of a sudden you've gone from 30 hours down to probably they only need to shadow you for half of that if that it, yeah, exactly. And I think it's all about giving them exposure um, and, and providing as much context as possible as to what they're part of. Mm -hmm. um, because at this stage, you don't know where they're going to go. You know, we, we, we've, we've got success stories, amazing success stories throughout our business that um, people have come through on that apprenticeship scheme. And they've all gone off and done different things. The obvious route is advisor, but I, I certainly wouldn't pigeonhole somebody into that. Um, you know, we've had other apprentices that have come through and and, and are now in management roles um, that, that, that's not on vice side of the business. Um, it, it honestly doesn't matter. It's just about what finding works best for that person. And as much as you think when you hire them, oh, you know, she's going to be brilliant. You know, she'll, she'll, she'll be exact. She'll fit that exactly right. You want it. You, you don't know. You really don't know. So, so I think just give them as much dump knowledge on them, give them as much context as possible. And then that means that as you start to see the shape of their future, um, and they start to see the shape of that future. They've got a lot more context around where they could potentially go. Did, did you make them that mistake in the beginnings? It sounds like you talk about experience that you hired somebody and thought, oh my God, they are going to be perfect for that role. And almost you gear all the information towards that role. And they've, have they fallen out of love with the role because you're trying to force them into a pigeonhole? Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, 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 I've seen that in the past where it's, it's rare that we've, that we've um, lost someone against our wishes um but there's been one or two occasions and uh, you know one sticks out to me where um that particular individual left left the industry uh, entirely um complete career change um and i suspect you know i look back on it now and think was that something that we did and it, and it might well have been because that person was very talented um uh, and in my mind uh, was clearly an advisor you know obviously you know it, to me anyway in the you know in hindsight i was wrong um but was clearly an advisor and, and and you sort of you get them on that track and they 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 successfully come through the apprenticeship scheme and then you get the financial reward that comes with it and then they do their c maps and and all of a sudden you're thinking i've cracked it you know this is it now they're gonna they're gonna love this and then out the blue comes the i'm not enjoying it and i think i want to go off and do this completely different thing over here um and you learn from that um you learn and i think what what, what we try and do more now is is engage um and, and just make sure that people are are happy i mean we, we've had apprentices now because we've been doing it for so long that um they come through the scheme successfully they go into a role um they do that role for two or three years and then they want to do another role and that's fine um and, it, and it's so and it's, rewarding when they come to you and say i want to do another role 
but yeah. only for this company. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's great because, I th- and I think what we're trying to do now is just encourage that openness um, from the outset and saying, look, we're never going to pigeonhole you because ultimately you're going to get the best performance out of somebody who's happy in their job. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where you want to try and get them. But yeah, look, we made those mistakes. Uh, uh, you know, and I lost a couple of people that maybe we didn't want to lose um, because it's almost like you're, you, you know, you see those kind of movies where you've got the, the, the pushy parent with the child star. Um, yeah. and it's, and it's like, you know, the, these mad pageants and things that they have in America. And it's like, yeah. does that kid really want to actually do that? Um, and the, you know, it's an extreme example, but I think you can fall into that trap a little bit where you see, you see so clearly the path for this person and actually maybe they don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they want to bring their skills to something different. So yeah, lessons were, were, were learned and, and hopefully now with, with, with the, the current crop, um, they're, they're starting to see some of the benefits of the, the changes that we've made in behavior as a result of that. Awesome. So we talked about obviously them wanting to stay with the company, but what actually happens if you don't think they fit the role? Do you have, so, so their course is 12 months long. Yeah. Do you have any obligation to keep them on for those 12 months? Do they have no. an operationary period? No, you don't. Um, and I think, again, I would always encourage um, anybody who, who is about to embark on this journey, um, get a bit of HR advice um, for sure, mm-hmm. because um, there are certain things where you've got young people below a certain age in the workplace that you need to adhere to and you need to demonstrate. So, you know, there are plenty of really, really good consultants out there. You don't need to go out and hire an HR person full time. You know, the, the, there are lots and lots of really great HR people out there that can give you some guidance, either a, a set fee um, or, or, or maybe a monthly retainer where you're able to then sort of ask them um, questions um, here and there on an ad hoc basis. Um, but go and get that advice. Um, I'm not professing to be an HR expert, um, but what I do know uh, is that with the majority of the schemes and certainly the schemes that we use, there isn't an obligation for you to make that higher at the end. Um, we've let one or two um, go at the end of it, not, not necessarily because it reflected badly on the individual. Otherwise, we wouldn't have let them finish the qualification if there was such yeah. a challenge there. But just at the time that they were coming through, the, the, maybe there wasn't the role that, that, that for them with us. Um, but I do like to think that we stood them in a better stead um, when they you know, went off and, and, and sought uh, other opportunities elsewhere. Um, but from our point of view and, and with the schemes that we make use of, you, you're not obliged to take these people on. Um, but I think generally, it, if they've done a good job, you're going to want to because you're going to want to continue the journey anyway. And when they're in your workplace, do you have to have somebody come in and check up on their progress? From yes. Their, like the city and guilds. Yeah, exactly right. And, and you know, it's, that's become a bit easier over the last year and a half because it's on zoom now um, <laughs> and i don't think that'll change now because you can get it? these people can get 12 meetings in a day instead of having to drive here there and everywhere yeah it makes it makes absolute sense i mean we've we've not had any indication that it is going to change yet um i think it's much easier it's it's much better to be honest most of the coursework that they set and, and and have been for the past 10 years that we've been doing this is all online anyway um so you know they've been used to having to log in and carry out certain tasks but yeah there's a meeting um, I think it's normally monthly from memory. Um, and that's with a, a tutor basically who, who is looking for a, a, an update as to where they're up to with, with certain elements of their coursework. The reason that we looked at the business administration one as, as our sort of primary focus is a lot of the uh, coursework aspects of it. You can almost dovetail with the jobs that we want them to do within the business. So there are things that we need them to do in the day-to-day role that, we, that we've hired them for. Um, that they can almost, it, it doubles up as part of their coursework as well. Um, and so you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. 
Um, but there is a regular checkup um, from that person at, at the, the education authority, whatever it might be. Um, and that's why I would always, again, just, just get that, get that advice from the local, um, the local agency, whether, whether it be an agency, get that little bit of HR advice around that as well, because potentially somebody coming into your workplace there and there might be things that need to be done around that mm -hmm. um so just seeking that advice i think is, is the best advice i could give at this stage i think the great thing is with these tutors i remember working in an estate agents where there was an apprentice she was fantastic and i used to remember the, the woman coming upstairs and it wasn't i think this is the, the only thing that's going to miss with zooms is this woman would come upstairs and the team would always say hello and be friendly and at the end of the year she says i've never been into an office where everyone's so nice but what then happens is that woman goes back to her company to say that company is actually very good at treating their apprentices. So without any point space or anything, you go to the top of the pile then when the good apprentices come in. And that's what you were talking about is having relationships with these agencies will help you land the right candidates, won't they? Yeah, it, it really will, because you've got a track record yeah. um, and, and you, you can you can demonstrate success. Um, through you know through the achievements of these people that have come through and and the, the you know the cracking job that they as individuals have done, um, and every time you have one that succeeds and thankfully for us it's it's pretty frequent, um, it just makes you a more attractive prospect. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, you know I'll repeat what I said before: you have got to keep on top of these agencies and keep reminding them that you're good, yeah, um, yeah. because it's competitive, um, and I think you've just got to put yourself at the front of that queue wherever you can. Yeah. Somebody having a bit of work done in the back. <laughs> you can hear the, the oh, cycles going now. Sorry, I keep muting myself to take that off. No, no, it's okay. No. So, in terms of areas where people can go and get information, go to the government website, get in touch with their council, or just put the feelers out there with local colleges um, and schools. Is that the best way for people to do it? Yeah, for definite. I mean, a bit of Googling. Um, just, just yeah. honestly, the first thing I would do is Google apprenticeship scheme, put your postcode in, um, and you, you will find within a couple of minutes. Um, some some good leads, you know, some starting points, some numbers to call, some emails to to go for. Um, so just apprenticeship scheme, postcode or town, and you'll 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 get a start point from that. And that, that's all we did. Um, and then the more you get used to it, you can start asking questions to these people. You get a bit more confident. Then that can grow, and you can start to try and look at different avenues. But that's a great start point for anybody that's not sure about it. Perfect. That's the way I'm going to sign off the podcast. Then anything you want to add, Matt, about about the apprenticeship scheme. Um, I, I think just do it. Uh, I, I think, uh, did I end your entire last conversation by saying social media, just do it? I'm sure there's a small sports brand that uses something similar as that. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm like one of the, you know, I'm like a kind of crazy salesman at the end, just like ramming my pitch down. Um, but no, I, honestly, um, it's all about the people. Um, it's all about the the people that come in and, and, and we, you know, we just got a phenomenal team. And I don't like to kind of take any of the credit because really it isn't me anymore. It's, it's, it's the apprentices that have come through and demonstrated that longevity and, and that foresight, which is incredible for a 17, 18 year old kid to, to do that. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, and a real credit to them. They are the ones that now provide the beacon to the new ones. It's not me, you know, it's not, you know, it's not that old bloke in the corner. It's not, you know, it's not anything else. It's, it's the, it's the clear pathway um, of success um, that will continue now to bring more and more success with it. Um, and I think that if you're nervous about it, it's really easy. Don't worry, don't panic. Um, I'm not an expert, but maybe, maybe a few of those little bits and bobs that I mentioned would be useful for you. 
Um, and gen genuinely, I would encourage anybody that's looking at expanding their business, but isn't sure about the future of the market or, or, or the financial aspects that come with hiring lots of people on uh, proper jobs. Um, I would encourage them all to look at this because it's been fantastic for us. And, and, and hopefully um, some of the apprentices that, that, that are alumni, if you like, would, would agree. And, and it's been fantastic for them too. So that would be my, um, my words of encouragement. Just go off and do it. Just go and have a go at it. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on again. It's, it's always a pleasure to have you. I could listen to you for hours, go on about all the different types of business. So I'm going to try and find another part of the business to get you back on and talk on about something. Else. I'd love to. Absolutely love to, Chris, whenever you want me. Matt, thank you so much for coming on again. And guys, I'm sure if you've got any questions for Matt, he's on LinkedIn. It's probably the best place to get you at the moment. LinkedIn's good for me. Yeah, you can you can message me on there. Um, drop me an email. I'm, I'm pretty approachable. I'll always try and, and help where I can. Like I say, I'm not an expert, but I'll, I'll always do my best. And before we turn off, how's the new offices getting on? Because they look absolutely stunning. Yeah, really cool, actually. Really cool. I, I sort of wander around like Lord of the Manor a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, if you don't mind wobbly floors and, and um, walls that aren't very straight um, and windows that rattle a little bit when it's windy, um, it's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah what was it an old manor? A manor? Yeah, it's a it's a mansion. I mean, it weirdly, um, claim to fame is they use it a lot in the Crown um, as a sort of trade in for when they're doing outside shots of Buckingham Palace, um, which makes us sound very grand. Um, but yeah, we we always we, we've we've kind of always tried to be a little bit quirky, um, and yeah, we 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 love being there, and it's um, it's been amazing for us, and a lot of getting used to because we went from a fairly um, a fairly sort of mundane high street setting. Um, which was a former estate agency that, that had sort of been um, transported from the 80s when we got a hold of it um, to then uh, this mad rambling old building in, in like beautiful grounds and golf courses. Yeah, it's been a it's been a change, but it's it's awesome. And, and it, it, you know, it's nice to be able to bring people into a work environment like that. We love it. Yeah, it's, it's such a it's something different, isn't it? If you get chance, there's one thing I'm jealous about the team is one of the one of the team uploaded a photo. We're looking out the window onto this golf course, and the sun was shining. I thought there's not a chance I'll get any work done. I'll be I'll be out there in between Zoom calls. It's but, a bit of a distraction. A bit, yeah, be watching <laughs> kind of watching people. You, you, st you stood there and you've you've got the kettle boiling, and before you know it, you've been watching people tee off for 15 minutes when you should have been doing stuff. So. Yeah. Um, have a look, guys. Go back through Matt's content on his own, on his LinkedIn and have a look at the office. It is superb. Cool. Oh, Chris, thank you ever so much. Matt, Real thank pleasure. you again, and we'll catch up soon. Cheers. Take care. Thanks. So thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.